and the Holy Spirit so clearly using Isaiah 55, you know, why do you seek satisfaction in what doesn't satisfy? And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, whatever problem drove me to that pantry, it's not going to be solved by a bag of Cheetos or by a sleeve of Oreo cookies. You know, it, it's only going to be solved in God's presence. Even though those foods might give me a temporary high and we know our brains react to sugar, we know that it makes us feel better in the moment. But after that high weighs off, we're still left with that problem that drove us there in the first place. All right, everyone. It is so great to have Asherita today on the Restory Show. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Mary, thank you so much for having me. It's my joy. Awesome. So um, I want to hear your story and the story that you want to share with our listeners. And the fun thing about the Restory Show is I try not to do a lot of research beforehand. And that kind of sounds counterintuitive. <laughs> but um, I actually like receiving the story in real time. And so mm-hmm. I'm really excited about what you're going to share today. So thank you so much. Yeah, this is this is going to be great. So tell us a little bit about the story that you want to share today and maybe a little bit why you want to share it or why it's important to you. Yeah. So I never thought that this particular topic is what I would be talking about, um, but it's what the Lord has led me to. Um, so it's more an act of obedience than like, this is what I've always wanted to do. <laughs> um, but just to kind of give an overview, it's it's a story of how God led me from a place of bondage to food and cravings, um, feeling like I was a slave to my appetite, to a place of freedom and fullness in Jesus Christ and learning to enjoy food as a good gift um, and not be afraid of it, not let it master me. Um, it really is I found it's easy to go to one end of the spectrum or the other, and we'll talk about that. And so it's been um, just a story of God's goodness and His faithfulness throughout this journey. This particular story is really prone to extremes, and I'm sure that you'll share some of those extremes with the listeners. But I was just reading today about um, Gwyneth Paltrow's, uh, she has a site called Goop, and she is a proponent of coffee enemas (laughs) like wow, (laughs) we can get pretty crazy with our nutrition and the things that we put in our bodies, um, not just through our mouths. And it it is a crazy, crazy situation out there. And it's one of the things I found, and especially since we're recording this at the beginning of the year, is that there is so much information out there about what is healthy and what's not healthy. And then two minutes later, it's all changed. And so I know that this is Whether you struggle with an eating disorder or not, whether you struggle with food or not, we are all kind of in this world of trying to figure out what is healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually researching some food stories um, for a radio interview, and apparently purple sweet potatoes are going to be a thing this year. (laughs) I was like, really? (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes just figuring out what to have for breakfast can be so challenging because there's so much conflicting advice out there. It is. So tell us a little bit about your journey um, and how you first began to see food and how that changed. And uh, just give the listeners a little more of a snapshot of what you've struggled with. Yeah. So I'm actually going to pick up the story about um, three and a half years ago. Um, At my first daughter's first birthday, we had a very hungry caterpillar themed party, ironically enough. Um, And it was (laughs) a blast. Like it was so much fun to see my daughter smash her cake. And we had friends and family there. And it was 
um, really such a blessing. And we were tearing down decorations from the garage and bringing them inside. And I was carrying in the cake. I put it at the sink um, and I grabbed like an extra, just, just a forkful of cake. Um, it was in this adorable caterpillar shape. Uh, and it was so good. I, I had another bite and another bite. Um, and before I knew it, I had polished off the rope. Um, and I went back to the garage for with another armful of decorations, bringing it in. And I, I took another square of cake and I had to kind of even out the, the line. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I didn't want to leave a jagged line in the cake. Um, and I fork shaped line. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mary, before I knew it, I had demolished half of the cake that was left. And I remember standing at my kitchen sink and thinking, what is happening? Because I'm not hungry. Um, I, I don't even want more cake. And yet it was this fork to mouth action that I felt like I couldn't even control anymore. It was like an out of body experience watching someone else gorge on this cake um, to the point of I was literally making myself sick with all the icing and sugar. But I, I felt like I just couldn't stop. And that was a marker moment for me um, in this journey, a, a kind of like a, a moment of coming to my senses of saying, I don't know what's happening, but something has to change. Because if this type of behavior continues in my life, um, I am on a destructive path. Wow. And then after that moment, did you just kind of keep it to yourself? Did you journal it? Did you share it with someone? How, what was the next step for you? Yeah, so I'm an action taker and a researcher. So <laughs> I dove in world of, okay, what should I do next? And diets were not new to me, but I wanted something drastic um, and something that would set me on the right path. And um, I won't name it, but it, it was a very restrictive diet that had these wonderful promises of how great you'll feel. Um, and honestly, about four days in, I felt like I wanted to punch someone, like just the withdrawal <laughs> from all the sugar, all the grains, like everything that I was used to eating. Um, my, I, I really felt like an addict. Um, I, I had headaches. I was shaking. I couldn't concentrate. Um, someone brought in cookies to work and I, I just looked at them like, I seriously wanted to hurt someone. And I'm like, this is not me. I can't, I can't believe this is happening to me. And that was really, I, I would say, the second major awakening point to say, who is this person <laughs> that is responding this way just because I don't have the comfort food that I'm used to having? Um, and to back up a little bit, like I grew up in the church. I, I know Jesus. I've loved Jesus. I've dedicated my life to him when I was five years old in the back of my parents' Subaru one night. And it was very sobering for me to realize just how much I had been controlled by sugar without even realizing it. Yeah, I know you're not naming what you did, and I don't know what you did, but uh, I definitely felt some of those same things um, in the same amount of time when I did Whole30 last summer. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely learned a little bit about myself. And I think that's one of the things that it's important to realize and something God's been teaching me this year is that there's some there's something to be said about not giving in to every whim of your life. And that doesn't just involve food. That means an Amazon fix, which I struggle with. You know, oh, I need that. I'll just get it on Amazon. <laughs> or, oh, yeah, I want this. If I want it, I should have it right now. And so this whole idea of 
if I want it, I should receive it instead of learning the power of self-discipline and how to delay gratification, because that is not a very popular message in today's world, is it? Yeah. So to kind of like pick up there, the, you know, the detox portion of that diet was really rough. But once I got through that, I started feeling like I was superhuman. (laughs) Like my thinking was clear and I, I felt energized and I wasn't controlled by my food cravings anymore. And honestly, Mary, it was the first time in my life that I had experienced that freedom from desire for food. Um, and it felt very empowering about two and a half weeks into it. Um, but toward the end of, of that first month, um, my husband and my mom started kind of ringing, sounding the alarm a little bit because I'd gotten to the point where I wasn't hungry, so I wouldn't eat. Uh, and I felt empowered mm. by being able to control my food choices. But at the same time, um, I was obsessed with thinking about healthy food and, and how I can fit more of this nutrient in or how I can eat more of that. Um, and it had, it's like the pendulum had swung from one end to a completely different fixation on healthy eating and being in control of every single bite. Um, and food was no longer a gift. Food was something that I had to manipulate um, in the way that I wanted it to feel my body. Um, and that was something that both my mom and my husband said, you know, this isn't healthy, that this, this other trajectory that you're on is going to take you to the wrong destination. So at the end of that challenge that I had gone through, um, I should have done this right at that caterpillar cake episode, but it took me a whole month (laughs) and I finally hit my knees and I said, okay, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. If a conventional diet isn't the answer. And obviously it's not because we have so many diets out there and we're still dealing with an obesity epidemic. We're still dealing with heart disease and so many um, other health problems that would be avoidable if we had a healthy relationship with food. Um, And so I finally reached out to him and said, I need your wisdom in this. I, I need you to show me where do I go from here? That is, that's so important. And you know, when we talk about fruits of the spirit, like self-control, we forget it is a fruit of the spirit. (laughs) It is a gift to us and we have to ask for it. And I'm curious, since you're a researcher, uh, once your husband and your mom said you have an issue, did they bring up the word orthorexia or did you find that as you did some searching? They didn't, but I found it. Yeah. And orthorexia is a real, (laughs) it's a real thing. Um, And I think it's something that's growing in its occurrences. So for those listeners who aren't um, familiar with the term, ortho is the Greek word for correct or straight. Um, And so orthorexia is an obsession, an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. Um, And that was pretty much the road that I was headed on. And so when you hit your knees and you did all of your online research and there were purple sweet potatoes to be had and all of that. <laughs> what what happened? What did the Lord do in the midst of that? And and what have you been learning on this journey since that point? Yeah, it it's definitely been a journey and it's part of what um, you know, now on on this side of it, I was able to write that journey and that story in a book. Um, but just God's graciousness and his goodness throughout it, a few major milestones. Um, and I'll run through these quick and then we can come back and revisit. But one of them was a 40 day sugar fast, um, that I felt the Lord calling me to. 
um, I was reading A Hunger for God by John Piper. And there's this quote, I won't get it exactly right, but he's saying, um, there is, if you don't feel strong manifestations for the glory of God, it's not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you've stuffed your soul with small things. Oh, wow. There is a God, and it can be awakened with a simple fast that says this much, oh Lord, I want you. And I read that in my sunroom, and I remember thinking, I I don't hunger for God that way. Like, even though I've grown up in the church, I can't say that I crave God like I crave chocolate cake. Um, and the Holy Spirit just impressed this on me to, to go on a 40-day sugar fast. Um, and that that was instrumental in my spiritual journey of breaking the bonds of of sugar addiction. And instead of just saying no to sugar, turning my attention to say, I want to feast on God's word. I want more of you. Um, and, and that was huge. Another milestone was recognizing the lies that I was believing about food. There's this internal chatter that happens all day, every day in our minds. And most of the time, we're not even conscious of the thoughts. Um, But I remember at one point going to the pantry door and opening it just kind of out of habit um, in the middle of this fast. And the Holy Spirit so clearly using Isaiah 55, you know, why do you seek satisfaction in what doesn't satisfy? Mm. And I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, whatever problem drove me to that pantry, it's not going to be solved by a bag of Cheetos or by a sleeve of Oreo cookies. You know, it's, it's only going to be solved in God's presence. Even though those foods might give me a temporary high and we know our brains react to sugar, we know that it makes us feel better in the moment. But after that high weighs off, um, after it wears off, we're still left with that problem that drove us there in the first place. God's word, his spirit, like his presence is the only thing that will satisfy Um, And as I learned to turn from sugar to God's word, to his presence, um, that is where some of those chains began to break. It's by replacing some of those lies, like I need this food to feel better. Or a big one for me was um, if it's on my plate, Mm -hmm. I need to finish it. (laughs) American plate. Um, Or I don't want it to go to waste. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, there were so many that I didn't even realize until I was writing them down, um, to say, wow, you know, if a little is good, then a lot is better. Kind of that like caterpillar cake, right? Um, just going to his word and realizing that Paul says, um, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and the powers of darkness. And we take captive every thought and make it submissive to Christ. Like that is where the battle happens. It's in our minds. And that's what the work that God did. It was in my mind. It was replacing lies with his truth, literally memorizing scripture and reciting it when a craving hit, pulling out, you know, Bible verse cards and sticking them on my fridge and in my car and in the pantry to use God's word as a sword um, against some of these ingrained habits that, you know, I started this, my story with a caterpillar cake, but I can look back over ever since I was a teenager and see some of these patterns that started to develop some of these habits. Um, and as a stronghold spiritually, it can only be broken by the power of God's word. That's amazing. And I, I love the importance. I wrote about this in the book, Worth Living, about the importance of identifying the lies we believe and then combating them with scripture, with the truth, and just kind of retraining your mind. And what's hard about that is 
it takes, you know, we've spent a lifetime, a lifetime training our minds to think one way, to think the lie. And so it doesn't happen overnight to retrain our minds. So tell us a little bit about that struggle. I mean, you must have you must have not been a hundred percent perfect when you started this quest. <laughs> you must have had some stumbles <laughs> along the way. Yeah. No, and honestly, that was part of what's been so humbling about this journey because I this isn't it, let me say this is something that if God wanted to, he could um, accomplish victory overnight in the snap of the fingers. Um, and yet in his grace, he chooses to involve us in the daily victories over these battles. Um, and part of my frustration, even as I was writing the book, I was pregnant with my second child. I was in my second trimester. I hadn't really eaten in the first trimester because of nausea. <laughs> like just I, nothing sounded good. And then it was like, from one moment to the next, all of a sudden my appetite was back. And I was like, food, <laughs> great. Um, and I remember struggling again with some of the same areas that God had given me victory in previously um, and wondering like, am I even qualified to write about this? Like, I feel like a failure if, if I'm still struggling with some of these same things. Um, and you're right, it, it is humbling and recognizing my daily need for Jesus. Um, he has accomplished so much in my life in this area. But even so, every day I need him. Every day, you know, I identified 10 lies in the book, but there are so many more lies that crop up in my mind that are different. Um, you know, going going to someone's house and they offer something that I know is a trigger food for me that um, between me and the Holy Spirit, I've said, okay, that's something that, you know, I commit to not eat because that's a good boundary for me. And yet I don't want to offend the hostess. So how do you handle that situation? You know, there's so much need for the Holy Spirit's wisdom in walking this day by day. And in the days when I do fail and I, I am a glutton or, or I do, you know, buy into the lie that I need to finish everything on my plate, whatever it is, acknowledging my need for Jesus and that his grace is new every morning. And that when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't see me through the prism of my failures or my accomplishments. Um, this has taught me so much about the gospel, the good news, that that my standing with God is not based on what I do or I don't do. Um, that I am safe and secure in the Father's love. I think that's a the you know a great place to go when you're struggling with something, and whether it be a food addiction or another kind of an addiction or an approval addiction, we don't have to have it just be substances. It can be our reputation. We're addicted to how we appear to others. And, and so when we settle that in the atonement and knowing that we are forgiven and declared right before God, because of what Jesus done, it's just so amazing that you can go from that place of health instead of this trying to fill your sufficiency or create your own worth um, and we all know it doesn't really work very well. One of the things I want to ask was, um, what what's the journey that you took to? What made you decide to write a book? And then how did you um, how did you go about that? And and how did you get it published? <laughs> and and what kind of insecurities did you face while you were going through that whole process? Uh, I feel like that's a whole other story. I told you this isn't the book I wanted to write. It's not the message I wanted to start out with. Um, and yet it 
time after time, every door I knocked on, um, the Lord opened that door. So I started blogging um, actually the month after my daughter was born. I was on my maternity leave and I felt like, oh, this is a great idea. I have plenty of time. I'll just start a blog, Um, (laughs) which is laughable in retrospect. But God used that naivete. Um, And then as I was journeying through this, about a year after I started the blog, I, I was blogging a little bit about my journey and what I was learning. And I was shocked by how this was resonating with women um, and readers just saying, I tell me how, you know, how do you find freedom from this? Because it's such a struggle. It's been my whole life. Um, and so I was going to just put together a book of like 30 devotions and self-publish it. And um, a few friends, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was using them to tell me like, you really need to pursue publishing with this. Um and so I went to a conference and pitched it to a, th- a few editors and um, found an agent there. Um, and yeah, God graciously led me to Moody Publishers. And it's been an incredible journey. The book came out a year ago. Um, and it's it's blown me away, Mary, to get emails and, and almost daily emails, Facebook messages from women saying, I feel like I finally understand what the issue is. I've been coming to this with a physical solution, um, but it's a spiritual problem. And as I'm turning my heart toward Jesus and he's removing the idols in my heart, like you mentioned earlier, I'm finding freedom and fullness. Uh, Because one of the key verses um, in the book and in my journey is John 10, 10, where Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. (laughs) And he's done that in so many of our lives using food. But Jesus says, I have come that they, my sheep, might have life to the full. And that's the full life that he offers us, even in our relationship with food. I love that. Now, uh, you haven't mentioned the name of your book. So what's the title of your book? So everyone knows. Yeah, so the title is Full, Food, Jesus, and the Battle for Satisfaction. Nice. I love it. And so, yeah, you've mentioned that you've received other correspondence from people that can relate and what would you say is the number one struggle that you hear from women and even men today about their relationship with food? I think the one that comes to mind um, as the most common is hopelessness. I'm just feeling I've tried every diet and, and I'll do okay for a few weeks. I've tried every approach. I've read all these books. I've read Christian books on it. And um, it's almost like we get to a point of being jaded. Like I'm beyond hope. I'm beyond help. Um, and, and that just, it breaks my heart because if we are to turn to scripture and believe God's truth, we're told that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We're told that we have the, the resurrection and the life, the one who's overcome death itself living within us. And he longs to set us free to live the lives that he created us to live. And that sense of hopelessness is, is one of the ways that the enemy steals our joy for life, um, using something that looks as innocent as food. Um, so that that's kind of the struggle that I hear most often. I think the second one um, is the lies that, that we believe about food. Um, one of the most common ones for American readers is that, you know, clean the clean plate club mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've grown up with it and it's a very destructive habit because me finishing my food is not going to help the kids in Africa but maybe me packing half of what's on my plate in a Tupperware to have for lunch tomorrow and using the money I would have used to go out for lunch and giving that money to kids 
that would help. And it might be kids down the street that need it. Um, so there are things like that that we can do. I love that. Uh, when people, um, let's talk a little bit about the frustration and the boomeranging and the up and down that happens with the diet culture because we see it so much, especially see a lot of uh, expose on The Biggest Loser on how they just go crazy and hard for so long and then they they completely ruin their metabolism and most of them gain their weight back. Uh, I know that you didn't write a diet book, but it seems to me that you're saying that there is, we need to deal with the symptoms, yes, but we actually really need to deal with the root issue, what's going on in our heart more than the symptoms. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, I would say both and. Um, God created us in his image, and he created us body, soul, and spirit. And when it comes to this issue of food, um, so often, even Christians like me, <laughs> um, so often we come to just the body portion, right? And sometimes we might tackle the mind portion, whether we're going to a psychologist or, you know, we're trying to retrain the way we think about stuff. And yet when we completely ignore the spiritual aspect of this battle, um, it's almost impossible to obtain victory because it is a spiritual battle. Um, and until we acknowledge all of them, um, it, it will be very hard indeed to find freedom. And so my book, I'm, I'm glad you said that, it's very much not a diet book. You won't find any nutritional advice. Um, I, I've purposefully avoided mentioning the food changes I made in my own life because I believe it's so individual. Um, and, and you really need the Holy Spirit's guidance. And yes, a doctor or a nutritionist. Like, So I'm not trying to discount the body portion of it. Definitely, they're healthy eating guidelines that we can follow. Um, but the book is all about uncovering the spiritual aspect. What does scripture say about food? Um, and one of the things that, that has really helped too, and I, I was talking to a friend who had read the book three times in the last year. She lost 60 pounds. Um, but most of all, she's told me, I just have freedom and I have um, a better relationship with food. But one thing she told me that stuck out to her was um, I have a whole chapter on food is a good gift. And, and when we look at scripture, it is always presented as a gift. It's something to receive with gratitude. And even sitting down at a, at a meal is supposed to be an act of worship. And so thinking through, you know, before we pray, we can use that prayer time before a meal to equip ourselves for sitting down, to ask the Holy Spirit when you pray, Holy Spirit, would you give me the self-control to stop when I'm done? Would you help me enjoy every bite? Because taste buds were God's idea, and it, it was a great idea. <laughs> and would you help me end this meal in a place of praise and worship instead of in a place of shame and condemnation and guilt? And even that small change, when we come to that, we eat at least three times a day, sometimes more. If we use that time of prayer before the meal, and if we think of it as a way of worshiping God, because Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Um, those are the kinds of small changes that we can make that will really um, change the direction of our journey with food. I love that. And I, I've, I've read a lot of books on nutrition and food and, and all of that. And I remember one of them is called Eat with Joy, which I, I really, really mm -hmm. appreciated. And it's that idea of 
I think, especially in the American church, we have lost the idea of fasting and feasting because we can always have the opportunity to feast at any moment of any day instead of, you know, holding back and and reserving and then enjoying a feast. We, everything's a feast. So therefore nothing is a feast. And so having that gratitude for what God has created and the beauty of the earth and that it actually sprouts up food for us is pretty amazing if you think about it. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do feel fasting is a spiritual discipline that we've um, lost for the most part in in American church. And it's our loss, really. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that 40-day sugar fast. We're actually doing it again this year. We're in the middle of our four, fourth annual 40-day sugar fast. And we have over 6,000 women that are joining us in that. Um, and it is incredible to see the the bondage that is broken in women's lives when they learn to fast. And it's not one of the things I tell them up front is it's not about getting it perfect. Right? It's not about going 40 days without eating sugar. Primarily, it's about learning to turn from sugar um, or fast from sugar to feast on God's word. Um, those two go together beautifully. And that's how God stirs up a hunger for us, for him. I love that. And as we're uh, winding down here, I want to hear, um, you've given some good advice already, but do you have another piece of advice that you would give to someone who has eaten half a caterpillar cake <laughs> or has struggled in that area? Yeah, I would, I would start with this a simple prayer and saying, um, God, I, I need you here <laughs> and just being honest. Um, and, and even if you find your desire for God is not as strong as your desire for food, I'm asking him for that desire. God, I want to want you. Would you stir up in me a hunger for you? And the second piece of advice would be to really identify those lies that we believe about food that drive our food habits. Um, and to help listeners with that, I've put together a seven-day truth and dare challenge. Um, they can find that at thefull.life forward slash challenge. Um, and it's really a seven-day email series that will walk you through seven of the lies that I identified, as well as seven biblical truths that you can memorize and use to rewrite that, that lie, um, and a practical dare, like a way to live it out. Um, and I've heard from hundreds of, of readers and listeners saying this was a great first step in their journey. So again, that URL is thefull.life forward slash challenge. Thefull.life forward slash challenge. Yeah, definitely pick that up. I think that would be a fun thing to come, to go through. So over the past year, I like to um, I like to bring things current. So in the past year, how has God restoried you? Yeah. Um, so many things have happened in the last year, but one of the things is that God has taught me, um, that my identity is hidden in him. Um, it's not about a book launch and book sales. It's not about what other people think of me, um, as a pastor's kid and a missionary kid. Um, I was always in the spotlight and always put on a pedestal. Um, and God has humbled me and my family greatly in the last few years, um, and in this past year, as he's shown favor with this book, and um, it's it's been humbling to say, okay, Lord, it, it doesn't matter if people like me or they don't like me. It doesn't matter how book sales go. What matters is that I am I'm hidden with Christ. 
Um, and that is the safest place to be. That is. And I, I love that we're ending on identity because I think a lot of us, we struggle with that and we need to remember that it is a secure thing that does not change. So thank you so much, Asherita, for sharing your very vulnerable and um, actually very inspiring story. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that you were able to come on the Restory Show today. Oh, Mary, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much, such a pleasure, so much fun. Thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, thank you for Asherita's beautiful story and a story that hits all of us because we all have to eat food. It's not something we can avoid. So thank you for her honesty. Thank you for all the things, that, the twists and turns of her story. And I pray for those listening today who also struggle with food and with um, freedom in this area. Lord, I pray for freedom. I pray for people being set free from the scale, being set free from addictions, whether it be food or other things. And I pray, Father, that uh, we would choose that greater part, that we would choose you, that we would not make an idol of anything else, but that we would wholeheartedly follow you today. Thank you that you are good, you are strong, you are capable, you are available to us when we're struggling, and that your spirit lives within us to give us the power we need to make the kind of choices that uh, make for a healthy life. So Lord, help us not to become obsessive but simply to become obedient to you and your voice for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, for you listeners of The Restory Show, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Today, I'm going to just recommend Thin Places, which is my memoir, and you can listen to me saying it. So to download that free copy of Thin Places, go to audibletrial.com forward slash restory show, because I'm going to share my story in that one for sure, and you're going to know more about me than you'll ever know before. And again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash restory show for your free audiobook. Listen to it in the car, listen to it as you're exercising. Uh, as you're going throughout your day, uh, it would be a great thing to do. Also, if you could leave a review, um, that would be awesome in iTunes. So just click on the Restory Show podcast and you can give it either a rating of stars or a rating plus a few sentences, and that's even better. So that helps get the Restory Show into the hands of more listeners. And if you would like to have your own story featured on the Restory Show, absolutely go to marriedmuth.com. And on the right-hand side, you're going to see a little icon that looks like a microphone, and you can record up to four minutes, and we'll put it at the end of one of the Restory shows. So we'd love to have you participate in that way. If you would like to know more about today's show, just go to RestoryShow.com for the latest episode information, and may you live a brand new story this week.